Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. And those of you joining us online, good morning to you also. We are in the gospel according to Mark, chapter 10. Before I begin, uh, the HVAC is out in the lobby area, so uh, that's why the fans are out there, in case you did not know. But we are much cooler here in the sanctuary. the first one of the morning. I give you some space. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. We'll take verses 46 through 52. And if you have your Bibles open, ready or not, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Now when they came to Jericho, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude... Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Please be seated. Now or Never is the title for this morning's consideration. And, of course, keeping uh, in theme with the blind man, there is much to see in this life. Some of it is very wonderful. Some of it is horrific and much in between. And uh, what we do with what we see matters very much to God. Uh, some folks have, have witnessed some terrible things in life, and they cannot explain God. Uh, they've, how can a loving God this, and how can a good God that? Others, they press forward in faith nonetheless. In fact, not only have they seen horrific things, many of them have been persecuted and abused and still cling to the Lord. And that is, of course, the uh, outcome of faith, of true faith. God gave the ancient Jews uh, the word through the prophets. And in that word is his will for his people. How man should live before him, uh, who he was, uh, what God had to say about himself and mankind. But it was viewed as odd by some of the people who were called to be God's people. The prophet Hosea who is the broken-hearted prophet. He's not the only one, but his heart certainly reflected uh, how God felt at the treatment that God received from the people whom he loved so much. And if you read through the prophecy of Hosea, I mean, only 14 chapters, you can get through it in a day. Um, <clears throat> if you read through it, you find that the prophet keeps mentioning how they would go elsewhere and not to God. And you can hear a, a lamentation in the voice of the prophet and in the voice of God. In the 8th chapter, God says this through Hosea, I have written for him 
the great things of my law. But they were considered a strange thing. They didn't see it as anything but odd. And, and God said, I, I see this behavior. I see that um, you're not seeing who I am and what I am saying to you. And this, of course, is the story throughout the ages. Those people, they wanted something else instead of God, whatever. So they turned a blind eye to the word of God as though there were no consequences. But there are consequences in this life and in the life to come. And in this morning's consideration, which is about this blind man who did get to see Jesus and then followed him, because what we see matters. It matters to God. Some have seen him in Christianity, but Christianity did not live up to their expectations, and they become apostates. They fall away from the faith. I mean, uh, you know, there's more and more. It's going to be on the increase for many reasons, but... It does happen. Uh, that's when an apostate is, someone who was once holding to and no longer is. Uh, Judas Iscariot became uh, an apostate, a, a betrayer, uh, because Christ did not live up to his expectations. And he became what we would say disillusioned. And Christ did not do for the apostate what the apostate hoped to do, so they abandoned the faith. We are very much aware that these things do take place. We, we who believe also know that the Bible tells us truths about God and ourselves that we must hear and respond to. We must act on. It's not enough to be hearers of the word. We understand this basic concept of our faith. And so, through the Holy Spirit, our eyes can be opened. But... What do we do with the sight that we are given? At the end of this story, we, we just stood and read that, that Bartimaeus, once he saw, he followed Jesus on the road. Now, that's not put in the Bible by mistake. It's deliberate. Everything in the scripture is deliberate. And that's why we cling to it. That's why... God said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. And this is repeated by the Lord in the face of Satan. And we love it so. Now we look at the 46th verse, and hopefully everything I've just said will tie in as we go through this last section of chapter 10. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Well, we can't just pass by Jericho. We have to comment on it. It is the first conquered city of the Jews in the promised land, uh, just five miles from the Jordan River, about 15 from Jerusalem. It's where Rahab the harlot was. She, she understood what God was doing and converted and that took away the excuses of everybody else in the city who perished uh, by the sword of Joshua and his army. There are two Jerichos, incidentally. There's the ancient ruins of Je Jericho that was conquered by Joshua, and then not very far away is uh, the inhabited city of Jericho, which plays into the, the gospel stories, but I'm not going to take too much time to comment on that. In the city of Jericho, the Lord was offered hospitality by Zacchaeus, 
the tax collector. And, of course, you know, there was a great conversion of Zacchaeus in that profound word that comes out of Luke chapter 19, verse 10, that the, that, uh, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's talking about you and me also, lost souls who become saved by the work of the Lord. Also, this city of Jericho was put into a parable, the Lord and the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan was coming from Jerusalem down to Jericho when, of course, he was uh, caught and beat up and then ministered to not the Samaritan, but uh, the Samaritan was the one that ministered to the man coming from Jerusalem uh, to Jericho. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Uh, Timaeus, that's his father. Bar meaning son, and it means honorable. The name Timaeus means honorable, and to put it together, he's the son of the esteemed, of, of an honorable person. Only a handful of the people, of the multitudes, the countless multitudes that Christ uh, delivered and cleansed and healed, only a few of them are named. Uh, one of them, Mary Magdalene, who the Lord cast out seven demons. There's Lazarus of Bethany, who was raised from the dead. Simon the leper. It's not explicitly said that Simon was healed of his leprosy or cleansed of his leprosy, but the implication is clear. The Lord's not sitting at his table and he's still a leper. Uh, and uh, reading into that a little bit, uh, I would add his name to the list. There's Malchus, whom's e who, the, the one who had a close shave. Uh, Peter went to hack off his head and missed and got his ear, or at least put his head open and missed. And then there is the father of Bartimaeus. Uh, Mark is the one that names him. The son of Timaeus, Luke and Matthew, also telling the story, they omit the name. And... He didn't have his own name. That's part of the story to us. He's a blind beggar that is nameless. I mean, that's no name. Uh, the son of someone else. The son of Timaeus. Did, did he have one? Did anybody even care? Evidently, the two of them were known to the early church. Otherwise, Mark would really not much point of putting their, their names in the story. But the early church, at least in the circles that Mark was in, likely knew these two men, and they were likely believers. But this is all we know of them. Matthew tells us there were two beggars. Mark and Luke single out Bartimaeus because he is the spokesman and likely the one that continued to follow the Lord. It says here in verse 46 that he sat by the road begging. All of this is important. Every single word. Man, you shall not live by bread alone. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of, mouth of God. Not a jot or a tittle is unimportant to us. Because it gives the Holy Spirit opportunity to speak to us. To encourage us. If necessary, to correct us. Uh, the, the, the word of God does so many things for the believer. And as much as we have to see and face in this life, we can use all of the ammunition we can lay our hands on. And here this man sat by the road begging. Not only is he blind, but he's poor. A terrible combination. And the irony of this is, here he is blind and begging, and his name means the son of the esteemed one. 
There's not much esteemed about him right now. On the road like this, there's nothing to envy in this man. There's nothing to be about him that we know at this point that we could point to and say, boy, this is something that you, you, you want to have in your life. They put him on the sideline. He's no longer in the game. He's just on the side begging, trying to get by. Few pitied him. Some despised him. and Most probably ignored him. He was a defect on the landscape. Not something that uh, you want to look at. Not something that would excite hope and admiration. There were other things that were more useful than this man. And Jesus knew all about it, of course. The sufferings that we see in this life, you know, you can see animals suffering. You say, what is, you know, why would God allow such things? We begin to question the goodness of God, the kindness of God. And if we're not careful, that thing can turn into a fire out of control, as it has for many. Abandoning God, uh, protesting against him. But this man, Bartimaeus, he doesn't, fall for that lie from hell. He doesn't say, well, I'm blind. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll come back to that. But Paul writes this, just sort of a note from God that I know about the curse of sin. I've not lost sight of it. Romans 8, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. You don't read the word groans and ignore it. It stands out because we can identify with groaning in life. And the, prophet, the, the, the Apostle Paul, he just throws this in there and the reader comes along and reads it and the Holy Spirit takes his divine finger and points to these things and we grow stronger and wiser and more useful because of it. Is there anyone here that wants to be a born-again Christian and useless to God? I don't think so. I think we all want to be useful to God. That introduces a series of other issues and questions and problems. Because we want to be useful, that's not enough. It's a good intention, it's a good start, but there needs to be more. Verse 47, we continue, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Luke adds this, very critical point that sets the tone for everything that's going on between this man and Christ. Luke says, hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. Because he couldn't see what's going on, he says. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. They only said Jesus of Nazareth. Bartimaeus connects the dots. He then calls him the son of David. That is quite profound. His theology was in place. He knew enough of his scripture to get in front of Christ, to get the Lord to have compassion on him. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, knew and believed that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of David. Just all they said, Jesus of Nazareth. They needed to say no more. Then came the outburst. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, the prophets long ago said that the Messiah would be a descendant of David to the throne. 
We'll take one. There are many. Jeremiah 23. Behold, the days are coming, says Yahweh, that I will raise to you, David, a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is the name by which he will be called Yahweh, our righteousness. Of course, that incorporates, it contains within that prophecy the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ, which we are going to be a part of. Uh, There will be, actually, there's a third. There's the coming of Christ for his church. We call that the rapture of the saints. And then there is the coming of Christ with his church, and that is the second advent, the return of Christ, where uh, he He cleans up the house, uh, then ends the rule of man, and the kingdom now comes, uh, enters into the millennial reign. Anyway, back to our story here. Had they not told Barnabas this news, had they ignored him or left out that important name, Jesus, Barnabas might never have known that he was near. The story would not have gone in this direction. He never would have been able to call out for deliverance. Well, a Christian reads this and thinks about that and then says, how many people in my life do I need to tell about Jesus when the opportunity is given to me by God? Now, there are times, again, God will will tell us, no, that's not for you. As he did with Paul. And Barnabas, closing doors for them. I don't want the gospel preached there yet. Not by you, not right now. I've got something else for you. That is the prerogative of the Holy Spirit. It's prerogative of God to lead and guide us. That's why he is Lord. Jesus was not coming this way again. It was now or never. He's heading towards Jerusalem. And there he will be murdered and crucified in public. Barnabas seems to be saying... I don't care what's going on. I'm calling out to him. It is now or never. And so at this point, this blind man had to make two choices within his own heart. Was Jesus the Messiah indeed? The rabbis didn't think so. Well, Barnabas, the son of Timaeus, evidently did not care what the rabbis said if it did not match what he believed. A lot of people will go wherever the wind goes. Um, I've noticed driving, for example. Here we go. A lot of folks, they don't want to do their speed limit. They want to do your speed limit. That's why you catch up to them, and then they won't let you go. Why can't they keep doing the, the 20 miles an hour in the 50 zone that they were doing before I got there? Okay, it's a little personal. I'm sort of like I could see it happening, and you're not with me, because you must be the people I'm catching up to. <laughs> Like get your own speed limit. All right. Back to this, since I'm the only one that struggles on the road. So, no, Pastor, we've heard about your struggles on the road. Tell us some other things you struggle with. (laughs) No, don't be nosy. Anyway, the other point that he had to settle in his own heart. Is the Messiah good? If he is sovereign and all that the prophets say he is, is he good? Does he care about me? I've been blind. I'm poor. I don't even have a name. 
Why can I approach him? He did not allow all those things to get in his way. He is determined to get in front of Jesus Christ. The lessons that fly off the page, they they rob those who have excuses for coming to Christ of any seriousness. Are you kidding me? Again, if Rahab, if Rahab can understand these are the people of God, then what was wrong with everybody else in the city? Rahab, Rahab had enough heart fortitude to say, I don't care what they think. I know what I think. And she acted on that. There are those that cast themselves into serving Christ, as I mentioned earlier, only to discover that faith and devotion do not deliver to them what they had hoped. They hoped that Christianity would be this miracle drug in life that would just somehow do the things that uh, they listed before God. And when they find they still have to struggle, they still have to fight, they have to deal with fear, they have to deal, deal with depression, they have to deal with opposition, they have to deal with all these other things still. Instead of clinging to Christ, they slide away because they factor out the important things of God's word that face up to these things. God does not shy away from human suffering. Just because he doesn't stop it doesn't mean he turns a deaf ear or a blind eye to it. We all know this verse, we who believe. If I said, who said this, class? Though he slay me, I will trust him. Like that, you'd say Job. You'd know it. Though he slay me, I will trust him. The apostate does not do that. The apostate may do it early in the walk, then fall away later in the walk, and Satan is counting on it. That's how he plays people. Oh, you do not listen to me today, I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back next month. I'll leave you for a while, but I'll be back. We know this. That's his MO. It's his method of operation. Job chapter 19, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. This is deep into Job's experience. This is not the first day of his struggle. He's been deep into this now. And now he's got these four friends and their, the entourage with them show up. They don't help him. They hurt him. But he stands firm. I know my Redeemer lives and you can't take that away from me. I know the one that's going to rescue me is alive. And I don't fault him. For allowing this. Yeah, Job struggled. There were those down days, that he, the down moments that he had. You know, God is chasing me. He sets me up like an enemy. comes at me like a warrior. But then he'd get it back together again. And he did not even know. He did not know that he was God's champion. That it was Job and his testimony, a righteous man who turned from evil versus Satan. Some question again the goodness of God. Therefore, they go on oftentimes to question his existence by staring too long and too hard at the curses in this world. And they get their eyes off of God. Barnabas didn't have eyes to get off of God, you could say. He had a heart for him. He did not fall for that from hell. That, he knew that lie. He likely had thought of it time and time again. He had every reason to be bitter at Christ, at religion, at people who talked about faith and God's mercy. 
Men have good reason to question God, but no reason to deny him. You can ask all the questions you want. Sometimes you'll get answers. My experience is most of the time you won't, outside of what's been answered in Scripture. There are exceptions. But I cannot unknow him. Where else am I going to go? As Peter said to Jesus, there's nowhere else. You're it. You've encapsulated everything that I need to know about God. And I'm not going anywhere. Verse 48 Then many warned him to be quiet, and he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. (laughs) People interfering with this man calling on Jesus. He overcame their interference. He dialed it up after that. I mean, what were they going to take from him? His eyes? I mean, were they going to make him a beggar? Maybe, to give them some of the benefit, maybe they thought he was going to ask Jesus for money as a beggar would do. That is possible. Anyway, this determined spirit to lay hold of God's blessings, it's found throughout Scripture. One of the most uh, poignant or outstanding cases of Jake is Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord to obtain the blessing. He just wouldn't let go. He wouldn't stop. Now granted, in Jacob's case, the, the match lasted through the night. For us, it can be a long night. Night can be a lifetime. But we will lay hold of the blessings. And God will not silence a voice that truly calls out for him. He's not going to silence that voice. Isaiah said it this way. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice and truth. That's what he does. Doesn't mean he's on our timetable, but he does do these things. The truths of God are a must learn. We do not get a pass when it comes to spiritual truth. God never encourages us to be lazy when it comes to our faith, but to plow, to work hard and long. And as I often say, I don't like it any more than you do. I want to go to heaven and be happy. I want to go to heaven. The only place on earth, back to the auto thing, it's a wonderful thing for me that in my driveway there is no speed limit. It's just, it's not, I can go as fast as I want. That makes me happy. When I get to heaven, I can go as fast as I want. But right now I can't. Right now there are just things in the way. And I have to face them as my Lord. And Satan will come along and say things like, what kind of God is this that creates a circumstance where you find yourself and where you are miserable? The answer to Satan is, you know the answer to that. Shut up and leave me alone. That is a fact. A.W. Tozier wrote a book and he titled it, I Talk Back to the Devil. Well, Christ did. Uh, Again, this faith that we have, it is unique. And it is fiercely contested by my flesh, by the world, and by this, uh, these invisible spiritual forces. So, Christ, you have to ask yourself when we consider the scriptures and the gospel, for those of you who have not invited him into your heart yet, this story 
is a vivid picture of salvation also in this sense. Bartimaeus is not getting a second chance. This is it. Christ is not coming this way again. And Jesus Christ does not guarantee us second chances. You can, of course, drop dead at any moment. Why should anyone hear the gospel twice when there are those that have not even heard it once? What do we do with this kind of information? What happens when you hear these things? Do you recognize that it is God himself revealing this to you? God is patient with those who hesitate. But his patience will not help you if you go to your grave refusing him. Blind Bartimaeus was taking no chances. He wasn't going to let anybody shut him up. As we unfortunately see so many of our college students go raised in a church, go off to the universities and pay for their professors to undo their faith for them. Bartimaeus would have none of that. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. We can't hear the tone and the sob in this man's voice, but I don't think the apostles ever forgot it. That's why they all carry the story that went the one to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. <laughs> you know they felt stupid. I mean, here they are, shut quiet. No, let him come. Oh, you know, he wants to see you. A change of gear real quick uh, for those people. But I'm always touched by these four words. So Jesus stood still. Whenever I read this, that stands out to me. Jesus stood still. All three of the Gospels record those four words just like that. I think that's a trifold witness from, from God. I think it tells us what he wants to do. We'll later read in a moment that uh, it was because of compassion that he stood still. He says here in verse 49, and commanded him to be called. What a thrill must have rushed over this man's heart, his body. What a thrill rushed over Bartimaeus. Nobody called him before. No one had wanted anything to do with him. Then comes these five words. Rise, he's calling you. That's that change of tone. But Jesus is using these people. Nonetheless, the call was not wasted. If you've not opened your heart to Christ, as you hear me preaching, you, if you don't understand that it is Jesus himself still calling you, you may not get another chance. Maybe it's now or never. Are you willing to risk your eternal state on that? For uh, those of us who've been Christians a long time, Satan would like to make those words, that appeal, sound cliche. We've heard it so many times, it may seem to lose its punch. It does not. Hell still quakes when they hear someone invite someone else to come to Jesus. And may we never forget it. Jesus himself is calling. As he was calling Bartimaeus' son this day, or Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Uh, he called him to come to him. Today he says, come so that you can receive life. But many hardened their hearts. Not now, maybe later. <laughs> One years ago, I did a conference and someone came up to me after and said, you know, 
the reason why I don't believe is because you pastors are so persuasive. That's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's a hardened heart. You're making it impossible for anybody to reason with you. It's not possible. They're disallowed. Any opinion that might move you to the truth and, and away from the sway of Satan has now been rejected by you. It's like a court that says we will not accept proof in the prosecution of this man. It's a kangaroo court. He sealed his own fate. In that case, the court would have a hardened heart, which is, to this day, courts do these things. Sinners are this way. Verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, he rose up and came to Jesus. Mark didn't leave that out. He felt this covering was hindering him. Slowed him down from getting to Christ. He was in a hurry to get to Christ. You could see this blind man not knowing he's following voices. He can't see where he's going. This outer garment of his, just he just gets rid of it. Because what Jesus had was more important than that. He could get another garment. He could not get another Christ. It was now or never. Hebrews 12, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, that means... Since we have all these heroes of the faith in the Bible, it does not mean that those who have died are watching us from the bleachers in heaven. That's spooky. I mean, come on, when you go to the shower and you think it's just not what's happening. But we have the witness of those who, in chapter 11, were people of faith. That's the witness. And the writer of Hebrews, whom I believe is Paul, said, because of this witness, this example, because if they can do it, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us run and not crawl, not mope. You know, once the countenance starts to sag, it's reflecting what's happening in the heart. And uh, sometimes we're in a place of grief. But we're not supposed to stay there. To endure means to suffer. That's what it means. You take the pain. There's not much you could do about the pain. Except keep persevering. That means keep moving forward. As you say, look, a lot of people, everybody suffers in life. Many of them for nothing. In the end, they get nothing but hell. That's all they get. That's what Satan wants. We are supposed to be looking unto Jesus as this blind man, metaphorically, is looking unto Jesus. He can't see physically yet. Verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. This exchange is so real. Jesus asked him straight out, what do you want? Some come to Christ with all sorts of wrong requests, wrong reasons. Earlier, James and John and their mom come to Christ for a position of prominence. Make us more important than these guys. That didn't go over well, but Christ was so patient with them. I don't know why. <laughs> why is he patient with these guys? Here's his opportunity to drill instructor them. And he does not do it. He's very gentle. And uh, aren't we happy about that? The blind man. 
here in verse 51. The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Soon, within days, there's going to be a criminal that is going to say this to Jesus Christ as they're both dying together. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, who, the man who really says remember me the most in the Bible is Nehemiah. He's a man that just was a solid leader. And just determined and focused on what he had to do. One of my favorite lines is that the, the good hand of God on me. And then another, a few chapters later he says, Shall a man such as I flee? Who do you think I am? I'm going to run from this. And, of course, you read that and you say, boy, that's going to be me. Until you start facing things you want to run from. But anyway, Nehemiah would write, wrote into his journal, Remember me, O God. Remember me. It was important to him that God remember. And God says, I always remember. I never forget. My reward is with me. Do you believe it? Because it's only by faith you can lay hold on these things. Without faith, it all just sort of evaporates. And thus the apostate, who once wrote books on telling people how to do this for God and how to get to God, and the next thing you know, they're writing songs about God, and then they become apostates. Matthew adds this, which makes the whole story come together. Matthew 20, verse 34, in his account, he says, So Jesus had compassion and touched his eyes. What if he didn't have the compassion? I, I would be a little more reluctant to get in front of him. But he does have compassion. Our English word, made up of the Latin, compassion means to suffer with, along with. That's the, the idea here. Jesus could feel his pain. And he doesn't say, I'm going to lift the curse on humanity. I hate how the lions take out the wildebeest and other such things. Of course he doesn't like those things. But God is on a mission and he will not be turned from that mission. He will have for himself a race of people who believe him through the fires and through the waters of this life. And Satan can't stop it. Verse 52, he continues, And then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. The first thing this man saw was the face of Jesus. Again, he would not be quieted. He would not be silenced. He would not be deterred. He was going to get to Jesus. And when they told him to be quiet, he yelled louder. And now he's rewarded for now. Even now, literally, as we speak, his reward is in paradise with God. But the first thing he sees is the face of God. Faith was the link between him and that cry out for Jesus, the son of David, to have mercy on him. The cry of Bartimaeus was the cure of Jesus because he trusted him. He trusted that Jesus was whom he said he was, who the scriptures said he was. That part of our faith that surrenders to Christ, it leads to other types of faith. There is the faith that saves the soul. There is the faith that serves once the soul is saved to trust God. 
moving forward. Everything we know in life is made up of parts. There's no single thing. H2O, water and oxygen. I mean, everything has parts to it. And so does our faith. It's not singular in that sense. And uh, this is the beginning of this man. There is the faith that follows, and there is the faith that serves as it follows. Some just have following faith. They come to Christ and just don't do anything for Christ. Um, Don't be happy with that. They say, well, what do I do? You have to talk to God about it. But at some point, you're going to have to take a step forward. Um, It's not a work to earn salvation. It is the act of receiving salvation. The prosperity heretics will try to tell you that there's power in your faith, that there's a resource that you have, and it's in you. And if that were so, that there would be no, no dead person could rise again. Well, Jesus couldn't raise the dead. Sorry, he doesn't have faith in faith. He's dead. Their faith has nothing to do with it. Submission to Christ has something to do with it. Faith is the surrender of self to God and the God of our Bible as we know it. And not some energy that is out there that we control. Otherwise, again... Barnabas would have healed himself. If he had faith in his faith, who needs Jesus? I've got faith. This is the wackiest thing, and there are many people who believe it. <clears throat> if you want to be rich, all you've got to do is do X, Y, Z, and don't forget to put the offering in the plate. A big one, too. <laughs> they put a... Uh, never mind. Let's move forward. Incidentally, again, we are in the age of faith. Based upon... The truth of God's word. Miracles are secondary for us. If we see no miracles, our faith is supposed to still stand. We don't say, you've got to do something if I'm going to believe you. And he says, I've already done it. You've got to believe that I've done it. Uh, And immediately he received his sight. That's what it tells us in verse 54. Recognition that Jesus is Messiah prompts Jesus to heal him, as I said, and follow Jesus on the road. A blind beggar no more. Now he's a follower of Jesus Christ. John's Gospel, Jesus says this, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. See, the apostate jumps out. No one snatched him out of God's hand. They jumped on their own. You come to Christ. He's not going to chase you away. Well, we're almost a few months. We'll be finished with Mark's gospel if things go according to plan. Again, if we get raptured before I'm finished, I'll meet you in heaven to conclude the rest of the chapters. I'm sure you'll be there. (laughs) I don't know where we're going next. I had thought of the book of Acts because it's been a while. Uh, The precepts of Paul are so important for a church body uh, because coming from the pastor is not enough. You need to hear it coming from the Bible that uh, some of you are doing some messed up things. And, uh, or maybe you'd be the prophet Hosea. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning, uh, the message is uh, right there on the surface for us. The blind can come to you and be blind no more. It's true physically and it's true spiritually. And if you have not opened your heart to to God, if you're listening or here in the church, 
watching online, if you've not opened your heart to God, your heart is hardening against Him. With each beat of your heart, with each breath, but you can do something about that. You had no choice in being born into this world, but you have every bit of a choice with being born again into the kingdom of heaven. But you've got to take the step. You've got to call out to Christ. Maybe now, maybe never if you don't do it now. You say, you're trying to scare me. Well, if the truth scares you, then be scared. Because there are things that can hurt you after this life. Death is not the worst thing that can happen to a human being. If you'd like to open your heart so that Christ can open your eyes to see his face as your Savior and your Lord, then make this prayer with me in earnest. You say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have broken your commandments. And I come to you and you alone. And I ask you to forgive me. No one else is pure enough to die for me and strong enough to rise again to make a place for me in heaven. And I ask from this day forward that you would be not only the one that saves my soul from a judgment to come, but also the one who lords over my life right now. And I give my life to you. And now, Father, if anyone has made this prayer this morning, if they're in the church, may they come up and meet with one of the pastors and share their confession of faith right at the beginning. And watching or listening online, let me call into the church and ask to speak with the pastor and make their confession known without shame. And these things we pray in Jesus' name and commit them into your hands. Amen.